Shalom and uh, welcome broadcasting live from the TJM studio. So this week's class is titled Where There Is Smoke, There Is Fire. And I will be posting right now the link to the handout. There we go. Um, you can open up the uh, handout if you would like. So, um, as always, we start with a modern-day issue, then we move on to some uh, mystical teaching and bring back the practical modern-day issue solution from that mystical teaching. So, today's modern-day issue that we're going to be discussing is called a Jewish being. So, John Bradshaw, in his book, Healing the Shame That Binds You, um, he coined a concept that we are human beings, not human doings. Uh, Bradshaw's point um, being that we need to see beyond our self-worth as only defined by what we are doing, but to see that our ultimate worth is that we are a human being um, of God. So um, that's what John Bradshaw speaks about, very important. And uh, I would like to see this concept of being versus doing through the eyes of Judaism and specifically through the teachings of Hasidus. What would it mean, being versus doing? Um, how does one become a spiritual being rather than just a spiritual doing? Or in the vernacular of Hasidus, how does one become Torah and Judaism rather than just doing Torah and Judaism? Um, there is the Torah as an academic exercise, which is the commandment of knowing, to know the Torah. Then there is a Torah as knowing in order to do. That's what we're taught, that we study in order to know what to do and what not to do. However, where is the Torah in order to be? Um, I just want to share with you that uh, basically the question here is, for many of us, spirituality, Judaism, um, religion is all about transactional rather than being. How do we get beyond the transactional? How do we become rather than just do this and don't do that? Um, let's, let's find practical words for this. How does one break the constraints between the mind and the body? And not just the extremities of the bodies, the tools of action, but through to the holistic body's inner dimension of being, feeling, and experiencing. How do we do that? We study, we study, we think, and then from there it goes to our extremities. We do, we don't do, but how do we become? Thus, we are clearly stating that we can reach the ultimate experience to be or not to be in our Judaism, in our relationship with God, way beyond just the to observe or not to observe question. How? How can we break down the essence of Biria between the I and God, in which we can live simply with the absolute embrace of God, <clears throat> excuse me, in all our beingness? So, so you hear where we're coming from. Um, the relationship with God, is it only in what I do or what I don't do? So much in the Code of Jewish Law, all the 613 commandments defined by thou shall, thou shall not. That's the extremities, that's the doing, that's the action. 
When do we get to the being? Let us reword one more final time this concept. To live just within the to observe and to not observe question is to continuously wage the war of where God's dominion interference within our lives ends and where our freedom becomes begins. It is a question that we will have to face over each of the 613 commandments and within each of those commandments, every time we face them. So every morning, do I really want to wake up now and pray? Or can't I just sleep a little more, hit the snooze button, and then just run to the office? And that's not just the one morning. That's uh, very often in the morning. And so too, oh my God, you know, do, do I have to keep kosher right now? You know, there's a great Burger King. I'm starving. I'd love to have a breakfast. Um, so that every single time we have to face that question to do or not to do that's however when we face the question of doing however to boldly face the question of beingness instead of doing this to be or not to be questioned is to just have one question just once and to continuously implement our decision so let's just have the one question to be or not to be? Am I a being of God or am I a being of my ego? And once I answer that question to be or not to be, then the struggle with each of the commandments is over. I mean, yes, we have to implement it, but it isn't a fundamental struggle anymore. Thus begins a life of bliss in our Judaism, of inner peace and total acceptance of living as one with God. Why do I have to do this? Because I'm a being of God and God wants me to. And I've already made that decision. I want to be a being of God. Okay, this lecture is based on a mimer, a Hasidic teaching the Rebbe delivered in 1965 on the Shabbat, in which the Rebbe explores the purpose of why Mount Sinai was smoking. Uh, why the smoke formed a cloud and why God had Moses walk into the pathway that God opened for Moses in order for Moses to get to the other side and spend 40 days and 40 nights in heaven in order to receive the Torah. So what's this all about? The verse keeps on saying, and there was a fire, the mountain was ablaze, and it was smoking, and why? So let's go for the introduction. Holy smoke. Reports show that most fire casualties are not from the fire itself. Um, they actually come from smoke inhalation. What causes smoke in a fire? Just a practical question. The fire itself does not cause smoke. The smoke comes from the consumption and disintegration of that which the fire is attached to. In other words, the fire doesn't cause any smoke. It is the disintegration of what is fueling the fire. As a matter of fact, from the smoke, you can tell what is fueling the fire. Whether it's something coarse and is causing a big smoke, something refined, oil, you know, the olive oil that we like the menorah with doesn't cause a lot of smoke. Actually, the smoke happens when the oil is finished and it's the wick that's now being consumed. Because at that point, we've moved from the refiner fuel to the more coarse fuel. So that's what causes the smoke. Let's talk about another property of fire. Okay, fire in itself is the most spiritual of the four elements. 
and it is always yearning upwards. It jumps off the wick if you watch the fire. It's looking to leave and it needs to be brought back down. So the fire needs to attach itself to something physical in order for it to actually remain here. The minute it has nothing physical to attach itself to, it leaves and no more fire. Okay, so now here is the question. The verse tells us that Mount Sinai was ablaze with fire when God gave the Ten Commandments. It also says that it was smoke. It was filled with smoke like a kiln. We'll soon look at the verses. The smoke of a kiln. Now the question is that Mount Sinai had no shrubbery on it. Mount Sinai was only the rock, the stone of the mountain. Now fire cannot attach itself to the inanimate rock. So the question is, how exactly was the mountain ablaze with fire? And the next question is, what was being consumed? What was disintegrating in order for there to be smoke? Now, let's go to the, I put the link, as you see in the notes, and you'll see over there that you have a handout. So I want to share with you the verses from last week's Torah portion, which was before the actual Ten Commandments started, and then this week's Torah portion, where again it talks about the fire and the smoke, but post. That's when Moses went up the mountain, and it was after the Ten Commandments. So let me read to you the verses, okay? The verses in our Torah portion says, And the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire atop the mountain before the eyes of the children of Israel. And Moses came within the cloud, and he went up to the mountain, and Moses was upon the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. That's the verse. So let's look at what does it mean And Moses came within the cloud. So we have Rashi, who always gives us the simple interpretation. He quotes the word in the cloud, and he comments, This cloud was as a kind of smoke, and the Holy One, blessed be he, made a path within it. Okay, that's what happened post. Ten Commandments were already given. Moses now goes up the mountain to spend 40 days and 40 nights to receive the Torah and to bring us down the two tablets with the engraved Ten Commandments on them. Now, this is a verse from last week's Torah portion which explains what was going on pre-Ten Commandments. And the entire mountain, Mount Sinai smoked because the Lord had descended upon it in fire and its smoke ascended like the smoke of the kiln, and the entire mountain quaked violently. That's what the Jews woke up to on that morning before God began to, to say, orally give, the Ten Commandments. So I want to just point out, and we'll get to this more importantly later, but I want to just point out so you can see the differences of the pre and the post. Okay? So in the post, it says that the fire was a consuming fire. Well, in the last week's Torah portion, it just said, simply, descended upon it in fire, not consuming fire. In our Torah portion, the smoke is referred to as a cloud, which Rashi explains is as a kind of smoke. Well, in the last week's Torah portion, it clearly says smoke, and like the smoke of the kiln. So, what is going on here? What's going on here with the mountain, the inanimate rock being on fire? And producing smoke okay so now let's uh, 
let the lecture begin. As always, I'm going to give you a list of uh, a couple of mystical concepts that we're going to talk about. And once we understand them clearly, briefly, we'll then move into the practical story. How do I become a godly being rather than just being able to be a godly doing, to do or not to do for God? Okay, so here's the list. The internal intention of creation. What was the intention of God when he created this world? The word for Hebrew, in Hebrew for smoke, is ashan. What's the mystical symbolism here? Number three, fire is from above, smoke is from below. Number four, the nuances of differences between the verses, which I just shared with you. And then lastly, a path within the kind of smoke. And let the amazement of Hasidus begin. So what is the internal intention of creation? Why did God create this universe? There's a reason. There was a desire. What is the desire of God? So in Genesis, we are told in the six days of creation exactly what God created on each day, right? The first day it was light. The second day he separated the waters and so forth and so on. And Friday he created uh, mankind. So the end of each day is the verse it was the eve and the morning of the first day, the second day, the third day. Now, when it says the verse, it doesn't use the word the. It says it was the evening and the morning of first day, second day. The difference is that when it comes to the sixth day, it says yom hashishi, prefix hey in Hebrew, is the, the sixth day. And our sages want to know what's going on here. Because whenever the verse says the prefix hey, the, it's talking about a specific sixth day, which is mentioned elsewhere. Which sixth day are we referring to other than the sixth day in which God created man? And the answer is, and I'll share with you what Rashi says, okay? It's really amazing what Rashi tells us. The sixth day, scripture added a hey, prefix hey in Hebrew, which means the, on the sixth day, at the completion of the creation, to tell us that he stipulated with them, you were created on the condition that Israel accept the five books of Moses. So the letter hey is the fifth letter. It has the numerical value of five. And God is hinting that I made a condition with the entire universe that in 3,300 something years, I am going, I'm sorry, what am I saying? In the year 2,448, ooh, sorry about that. It was 3,300 years ago. 2,000, um, uh, and, and the, God is going to bring the Jewish people to Mount Sinai. If they're willing to accept the hey, the five books of Moses, then the universe has fulfilled its intention and we will continue with the universe. And if not, we're going to end the universe. One interpretation. Another explanation is not about the letter hey, five. It's about the, the sixth day. So what does Rashi say? Another explanation for the sixth day. They, the works of creation, were all suspended until the sixth day, referring to the sixth day of the Jewish calendar month of Sivan, which was prepared for the giving of the Torah. The hey is the definite article alluding to the well-known sixth day, the sixth day of Sivan, when the Torah was given. 
So if you do your mathematics, the Jewish people traveled from the, when the daily left Egypt on the 15th of Sivan. It was 49 days they counted. On the 50th day, they received the Torah. So if you do your counting, you have the two weeks of, of um, Nisan. Then you have the full month of Iyar. And on the sixth day of Sivan was when we received the Ten Commandments. So sixth. Ha Shishi, the sixth. Which sixth? Again, what we're hearing from both these interpretations, whether the He refers to the five books of Moses or whether Ha Shishi refers to the sixth day of Sivan when God gave the Torah, what the verse is telling us is that the internal intention of all of the universe was for that day when we would accept the Torah, we would accept God's will and wisdom. For the universe so what is really going on here what is supposed to happen when god gives us the torah and then let us look into what does the torah do to the universe what changed before the sun went up and sun went down before there were 70 nations and the jewish nation and afterwards what changed what happened on that hashishi day 2,448 years after the world was created. To understand that, Hasidus directs us to look into the mystical insights of the fire and the smoke that took place at Mount Sinai. That really, what was taking place was the transformation of the physical universe, the fire and the smoke. What lies in this? So let us give a look into the Hebrew word for the word smoke. The word smoke is ashan. I'm going to ask you once again, in the link you see that there is the, the um, handout. So I wrote the Hebrew word ashan, that's smoke. Now each one of those letters is, a, is an acronym. The word is an acronym for three different words. The ayin stands for olam, which means world, space. The shin stands for shana which means year, time, and the nun stands for nefesh, which means soul, life. So the word ashan really encompasses the most dominating properties of the entire universe. The entire universe is defined by time, space, and being alive. So there's something deeply hidden when we say that the mountain was Ashan smoke, okay? So now we need to understand what is going on here. What is going on when, okay, God is giving us a Torah, there's a fire that's coming down, God descends as a fire, and then we have the smoke which is being produced by it, and obviously we now know that the mystical secret of, this, of the smoke means not just that there was smoke here, but that there was a total transformation of the olam shana nefesh, the three most dominating properties that there is to the entire existence of the universe. Time, space, being alive. Okay? So now, what is going on here? What is the transformation? So to understand this, we're going to have to first return to the laws of the smoke, which I shared with you before. Number one, fire needs to have something physical to attach itself to. Fire can't just burn off of the oxygen. It needs to have some fuel, something that it attaches itself to. One of the things it cannot attach itself to is the inanimate rock. 
On the other hand, we also have the other law that the smoke is never caused by the fire. The smoke is by the disintegration of the fuel. And the coarser the fuel, the coarser the smoke. And thus we ended up with the question of what is going on here with the mountain being ablaze, fire attaching itself to the inanimate Mount Sinai, the rock. That's not natural. And on the other hand, there should be no smoke. When you put a brick in an oven, there's no smoke coming from the brick because the brick isn't disintegrating. So therefore, we need to understand what is going on here. Now, what is going on here is the transformation. And therefore, what God is doing is because he has a transformation taking place. Remember what happened 2,448 years prior. God made a deal. He said, all of you that I've created, the entire universe, the terrestrial and, and celestial, everything depends upon on that faithful day in Mount Sinai where I'm going to offer the Torah. Do they accept it? You exist. Don't they accept it? I'm just, you know, push the reset button. We're back to pre-universe. Pre so what's taking place over here is that God is now creating an internal intention transformation to all of the universe. And thus, therefore, Kabbalah tells us that he created a miracle. Because when you want to lift something, you don't lift it from the middle. You lift it from the very bottom. And the lowest of the four categories of human, animal, plant, and inanimate is inanimate. Thus, God creates a miracle here that he's actually creating a transformation in the lowest element of all of creation, the universe. And thus, even that which is not natural, that rock should attach itself to the inanimate stone, the rock of Mount Sinai. And even though it's not natural that there should be a transformation in the rock and they should create smoke, nevertheless, a miracle takes place because this is when the internal intention of all of creation, this is where God is saying, now I want you with the Torah and the mitzvot to go ahead and create from the physical the revelation of the spiritual. And thus the Torah and mitzvot is not about having abstinence on some mountaintop and just spiritually meditating and praying, but rather engage, as we will soon see. So now let's talk a little bit more on a mystical level. What is the fire and what is the smoke? So we know that there's a physical fire and smoke and there's a spiritual fire and smoke. We know what the physical fire is. It has to attach itself to something in order to stay. And we also know that the smoke is from the disintegration of the fuel which the fire is attached to, whichever fuel it may be, from wood to whatever it may be. With that being said, what does it mean spiritually? So here is the rule. Fire from above, smoke from below. Fire is the revelation of God. And therefore the verse which I read to you before, God has descended upon it, Mount Sinai, in fire. So fire represents the revelation. Remember also with the burning bush. How does God reveal himself to Moses the first time? With a fire in the bush. So, therefore, fire represents the revelation from above. However, smoke is the exact opposite. Smoke is from below to above. 
Smoke is the elevation of the physical, the fuel. Thus, now we understand that the mystical concept that's taking place here is that God descends in a fire, the revelation from above, which attaches itself to the physical, and thus the physical is going through a transformation, a disintegration, and thus there's fire from above, smoke from below. That's what's taking place here. What does that mean? Let's be more practical. What it means is that ultimately in the world of Kabbalah, the question is always one of ego, arrogance, separation. Holy is defined by transparency, by humility. I see myself as but a vessel to God. I see myself as but an extension of God's being, God's will. That's all I am. And the minute I can have that humility, I have become a vessel to receive the fire. Then there is the arrogance, the I. Yeah, I accept that there's God, but God created me to be me. And I have my wants, and I have my needs. And most often the relationship I have with God is not about what God wants from me, but what I need from Him. And thus everything is based on an arrogance. That arrogance has to be disintegrated and transformed. I have to open up and step out of self, ego, capital I, to make room for God. When that happens, when the fire from above, when the revelation comes upon the physical, all of a sudden the physical is having a disintegration of ego, of separation, that disintegration, that consumption from the fire onto the ego arrogance of the physical is what creates the smoke. Okay? Now, however, in order for the fire to attach itself to, to something, to, for fuel, and for the fuel to be transformed by the fire, the physical needs to be open to accept the fire. There are things which don't burn physically. And what that shows us in the spiritual level is that there is such a deep arrogance and such a deep ego, selfish, I, separation from God that it's not accepting the fire. So let me give you a, a, a interesting concept. What was going on just before the... Ten Commandments. The world power at the time, the super country, the superpower at the time, was Pharaoh and Egypt. I want to read to you a verse from the prophet Ezekiel, um, what he tells us about Pharaoh. And let me read it to you. O Pharaoh, king of Egypt, the great crocodile that lies down in the midst of its river, who said, My river is my own, and I made myself. That was a representation of the superpower of the world. The universe at that point, remember what Pharaoh told Moses the first time Moses said, God said, let my people go? Moses, Pharaoh's answer was, who is God that I should listen to him? Ezekiel tells us why. Who is God? He didn't create me. I created myself. I, I, I. It's all mine. 
And thus, that state of being of the universe was not even open for the fire to attach itself to it. Thus, we'll now be able to understand the differences in the nuances between the verses that talk about the fire and the smoke pre and the fire and the smoke post the Ten Commandments. Because the state of being before was, I made myself and it's all mine. That is why we don't have that power of the physical allowing the fire to attach itself. So let's go back to those verses for a moment. Excuse me. The verse pre-Ten Commandments states, And the entire Mount Sinai smoked because God has descended upon it in fire, and its smoke ascended like the smoke of the kiln, and the entire mountain quaked violently. Let's, let's look into, through Kabbalah lenses, let's look into what we really see here. Number one, the fire is not called consuming. Number two, the smoke is called smoke, thick smoke, like a kiln. And C, the verse reads that the smoke was not caused by the fire consuming the mountain. A mountain doesn't get consumed by fire. But rather the smoke was solely, let's read the words of the verse again. Smoked because God has descended upon it in fire. Everything here was miraculous. The mountain wasn't able to accept the fire. God descended upon it as a fire. And then we talk about the smoke taking place, not because the mountain was burning, because there was no shrubbery on the mountain, but rather because of the fire of God that descended upon it. But the smoke is smoke. It's thick smoke. Right? Let's see why. The reason for this is, as we explained just now, that the universe was not open to accept the fire, the revelation and the presence of God. Pharaoh was saying, who is God that I should listen to him? I made myself. I was not created by a God. It's all mine. And therefore, it isn't a consuming fire because for it to be a consuming fire, the fire needs to be able to attach itself. There has to be some level of transparency in which the physical is saying, yes, I am an egotistical, self-serving, but I acknowledge that there's a God who created me. And thus I talk to God about my needs, but I talk to God about my needs. And that didn't exist. And therefore, everything was coming from above miraculously. God was breaking boundaries of nature. God was forcefully revealing himself, causing a disintegration in that which was not willing to accept God. Thus, the smoke didn't come from the disintegration. It came from God. And thus, the fire came from above, not attaching itself because it couldn't attach itself. And the smoke that was coming out of this coarse fuel was thick smoke. Coarse smoke. Now let's go ahead and look at the next verse in our Torah portion, which is post the Ten Commandments. The verse says, And the appearance of the glory of God was like a consuming fire atop the mountain before the eyes of the children of Israel, and Moses came within the cloud. Wow. Here we're talking about a consuming fire. The fire is attaching itself. Here we're talking about not a thick smoke created by a thick coarseness, but rather we're referring it to as a cloud, which is 
as Rashi says, as a kind of smoke. So now we're understanding here. The fire is consuming because the Ten Commandments penetrated all the heavy lifting of the consumption and disintegration of the ultimate ego of survival. The I was disintegrated by God descending upon and giving us the Ten Commandments. I am God, your God. By the way, just a side point. The Talmud says there was a miracle that there was no echo. Now, why wouldn't it be an echo? The science of echo is that when there's a rock which sound waves cannot penetrate, it bounces off. The stronger the voice, the louder the echo. So here there should have been the largest echo, as the verse says, and the voice of God grew stronger and stronger. And the Talmud says there was no echo. Kabbalah tells us what it's telling us is that the words of God penetrated everything. It didn't rebound. There was no acoustics. Because the whole point was that I am God, your God, should penetrate inside. And thus there was that thick smoke where the world is saying, I made me. It's all mine. And the words, I am God, your God, are penetrating it. And thus there was the thick smoke. However, now that that already happened by the Ten Commandments, what's left is an openness that now the world can accept the fire of God. And thus now it becomes a consuming fire, number one. Number two, because the fuel, the physical, which the fire is attaching itself to, isn't that coarse no more. So we don't find the word smoke like the smoke of a kiln. Rather, it's referred to as a cloud. And Rashi says, as a kind of smoke. Because now that we have this, now that we had God do the heavy lifting, and penetrate, no echo, penetrating, I am God, you God, which penetrated everything in the universe down to the lowest inanimate. Now it becomes so much easier for us to go ahead and use the physical for the service of God through Torah and mitzvot. Using the physical arrogance of the human mind to understand the Torah. To use the money we have worked so hard to earn more and more and more. And we use that to give charity, to do spiritual service. Now let's talk about the last mystical concept because it's going to teach us something beautiful. Even that light smoke, post Ten Commandments, God didn't tell Moses walk into the smoke. God opened the pathway into which Moses entered. He crossed it in order to receive the Torah. So now let's see what we learn. Well then, let us recap for a moment what has become clear to us from these verses. Number one, before Moses, thus every Jew, could ascend to receive the Torah, Moses first had to enter through the cloud of smoke. What does that mean? In other words, no one can say that all they want is a spiritual spirituality. I like praying. That's spiritual. I like meditating. That's spiritual. I even like studying the abstract, mystical. That's spiritual. But really, do I need to study Code of Jewish Law? Do I need to actually do things? Do I need to light the Shabbos candles? Can't I just meditate about the light? Do I have to actually put on the tefillin? Can't I just meditate? I want a spiritual spirituality. That's the beauty of having a relationship with God. Uh-uh. Because the first thing you need to go is through the smoke or the cloud. 
And the smoke of the cloud is the elevation, transformation of the physical. And thus, before we can get into spiritual meditations and receive the Torah in heaven, first we have to deal with the person, the I. I have to deal with my physical arrogance. I need to deal with the I, the ego, the coarseness. Likewise, I need to embrace and engage the coarseness of the universe. I need to deal with the physical. I can't just have the spiritual. For me to receive the spiritual, for the fire to attach itself to me, I first have to go ahead and create the smoke. I have to pass through the smoke. I need to align my physical being with God's will. I need to face that ultimate question, to be or not to be. Is religion all about me? If I do this, I'll be rich. If I do this, I'll find a spouse. If I do this, I'll be healthy. Or is it about being? It's a being of let me do what God wants me to do. Allow God to work through me. So that's number one. You cannot have a spiritual spirituality before you deal with the physical spirituality. Number two. The ultimate arrogance of the great crocodile that lies down in the midst of the river who says, my river is my own. I made myself. Who is God that I should listen to him? That thick arrogance was already weakened by God. And it is now within our reach to continue transforming. Once God came down with the fire and once the mountain was smoking like the smoke of a kiln, the inanimate, God broke through and penetrated. I am God, your God. Not I, the capital I, but I, I am God, your God. Once God did that heavy lifting, it's now within the reach of each and every one of us that when we eat, when we build a beautiful home, when we do things physical, we can have it as a spiritual service of God. There can be a transparency. Yes, I'm going on a vacation because I need a vacation. But where am I going on a vacation? Is there somewhere for me to go pray on Shabbat? If I'm married and the wife needs a mikvah, is there a mikvah there? Am I going to bring along some Jewish books, not just some Stephen King's novels? Is this going to be about a transparency of me rejuvenating my relationship with God or just rejuvenating my body from tiredness? That became possible because God already penetrated and got rid of the crocodile who's screaming, I, 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 it's all me, I made myself, who is God that I should listen to him? God did the heavy lifting and now tells us, you take over from here. And thus, what happens is that what we deal with is not the thick smoke that, that causes death, smoke annihilation. But rather, we're dealing with a kind of smoke that was like a cloud. Not only that, but interesting enough, even in that smoke, God is telling us, I'm making for you a pathway. You don't need to inhale the thick smoke. I'm making for you a pathway. You don't even need to inhale the kind of smoke. I've made it easy for you. You can now take the physical and use it in your relationship with a transparency to God. Before you eat, make sure it's kosher. Make a blessing 
Acknowledge who gave us. Yes, of course, I worked hard, but there are many people who are jobless. Who's the one that actually made it possible for me to have this food? Let me share my food with those less fortunate. Just as God gives me, let me give others. What conversation are we going to have by the table? Is it going to be meaningful? Is it going to be helpful? Is it going to be spiritual? Or is it all going to be about the I, oh, what I had today and what I did this and all the off-color jokes and sports? Can we have something a little more meaningful every once in a while? Yes, we can. Because God already took care of the deeper arrogance. So that's what we learned from this. Number one, we must go through the physical. Don't try to engage into a spiritual spirituality without engaging the physical. Number two, don't worry. The ultimate arrogance of I, God already took care of before the Ten Commandments and through the Ten Commandments. What's left for us post the Ten Commandments is to deal with a much lesser ego than who is God that I should listen to him. And then know that God made a pathway for us to walk through. Now in closing. In closing, let us return to the modern day issue that we opened with. In becoming a Jewish being, a spiritual being, rather than just a Jewish a spiritual doing. The Torah is called Torah Chaim. Living Torah. What does that mean, living Torah? Well, on one hand, it's a living Torah because the Torah is a living identity. It's continuously growing. It's continuously revealing. But also, another level is that the Torah Chaim is because Torah teaches us. It's a guide on how to live. But then there's a deeper message in the mysticism of it. Torah Chaim because Torah is what gives us life. It makes us a living being. The Torah is not just about doing. Let's take, for example, Shabbat. So many people know about Shabbat only, oh, I'm not allowed to turn on the light. I'm not allowed to drive a car. I'm not allowed to do this. I have to do this. I have to go to shul. I have to pray. No one thinks about Shabbat. I shouldn't say no one. But most often, people don't think about Shabbat as a moment of being. What a beautiful thing to stop the rat race, to get out of the hamster wheel. To have a day where I can, A, focus on my relation with God, and then from that place of being, have a day with my family. Shabbat is not about doing. Shabbat is about being. Shabbat is about becoming a transcending being. Yes, there's doing in place to help us get there. There's all those boundaries of don't get caught into the rat race. I mean, if you can answer your phone on Shabbat, bingo. One business call and then, you know, your wife and kids are by the table waiting. So yes, it was all those boundaries of doings and not doings. But really it's about being. That's what it's all about. Torah chayim. Behem, and you shall live within them. Not just that you should live your life in accordance with them. But they will become a being of life. However, for this to happen... Understand that when God gave us the Torah and it says, Torah Chaim, what God is really telling us is, this isn't about being a puppet of doing, but being a living child of being a living child of God. The puppet does. The living child bees. It's a beingness. But in order for this to happen, we have to go far beyond studying Torah with academics. We have to allow the Torah and his teachings to travel far beneath the mind. Get below the neck. Most of us, religion is up here. No, get below the neck. 
And then we have to allow it to transform, disintegrate the smoke of our ego and be able to get past the arrogance and the coarseness where everything is about me. God exists because I need him to give me. God gave me the Torah so that I can have the rewards of the Torah. No, let's get beyond that. Allow the academic knowledge to go beneath the neck, penetrate the heart, disintegrate the ego, understand that there's something much greater than the little I that I thought I am. And then allow that to go ahead and express itself in the entire body. Only then can we pass through the cloud of smoke within a God-opened pathway to truly receive and become one with the Torah, the essence, will, and wisdom of God. Thank you.